Assalamu alaikum, brothers and sisters. Today, we're going to be talking about the history of... <laughs> oh, bro, I can't, I, I can't do this. Um, a lot of you guys have addressed the point that brother Angel is moving around too much. And we're here thinking he wasn't moving around enough, so... Yeah. Gave him the full 360. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum, guys and girls. Welcome back to the T3M podcast. Rami, why don't you tell us what we're talking about today? Today, we're talking about the history of Islam. Islamic historicity. And why is it important to know the history of Islam? Why is it important? Well, you know, as they say, history is the greatest teacher. History is the greatest teacher. And if you look at today's society, we, we see how we've fallen. That's why Allah tells us mostly about Moses and the, the children of Israel. Peace be upon him. Because they had a messenger in a nation. We have a messenger in a nation. We could see where they fault, you know, where they, where they, uh, where they faulted, where they went astray and where they messed up. So these are key, key pieces we must keep. And these key evidences, these key lessons we must take into consideration to avoid falling. But what happened? We fell inevitably. So it's important to know why we fell, where it come from, why was why was so strong in the beginning with the Prophet and the Sahaba and where we lost it. So do you guys know the when the Prophet first revealed revelation? Or when sorry, when he first received revelation. I believe he was 23. 23 is the number of years he received revelation over. Mm, from Mecca to Medina. Mm. Right. Yeah. How old was he? Tell us. He was 40 years old. No. Yeah, most prophets receive prophethood at 40 years old. Actually, that's what I hear. But, um, mm. and it's amazing, subhanAllah, how they, how they chose 40. Also, another side note. Every single prophet was a shepherd. As far as I know, every single prophet was a shepherd because they had to know how to lead the animals and be a leader and lead an entire group of people who don't even have morality or proper in intellect compared to humans. <clears throat> so they had to learn how to lead these animals to learn how to lead the humans in the long run. And it takes a lot of patience and so on and so forth. But that aside, mm -hmm. do you know where the Prophet said him first received revelation? Do you know the story? The cave and this, that, the others. Honestly, man, I'm kind of glad that, and I'm not speaking on behalf of me, and on hell, I'm gonna just go based on me. Yeah. I'm glad that I don't know as much about Islamic history and the upbringing and uprising as much as you, because I'm looking forward, just like the viewers, of learning a lot in this talk. All right, man, it's the lecture now. Bismillah. All right, Bismillah. so the Prophet alayhi wasallam, at this point, he was married to Khadija, radiallahu anha, a monogamous marriage. And he actually worked for one of her businesses or for her business. And he was a top performer, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As he, you know, of course, high performers tend to be high performers in everything, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he was just one of the best people. He was already known as the truthful and the trustworthy. People would trust him with his belongings. They would trust him to be uh, truthful in all situations because that's who he was, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, even before prophethood. So he, like Ibrahim, alayhi sallam, he would look at the people, you know, worshipping paganism worshiping or sorry engaging in paganism worshiping statues and idols and all of this stuff and he's like that doesn't make any sense why are they doing that what are they getting from it 
So the Prophet said, he used to go up, he used to climb. And it was a long journey to climb up a mountain and get in a cave with, and he'd have like his food and all that stuff ready. And he used to do what you and Anhel do, meditate. He used to meditate in a cave, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he used to reflect and think, you know, obviously there's more to this life and everything than these statues, this paganism. And they know who Allah was. They, they, they know who Allah is. They, they knew who he was back then. They referred to Allah. But some of them saw these pagan, uh, or sorry, this, these statues and idols as beings that would intercede for them to Allah. Obviously, we know this is haram. There's no such thing. So then Allah sent the angel Gabriel, alayhi salam. Before I get to this point, I want to mention that the Prophet said, at this point, he used to see a lot of dreams. He used to see a dream that something would happen and then the next day it would happen. And this went on for however long. It went on for a while. And then when he was in the cave, the angel Gabriel, peace be upon him, came and he told him to read. He said, Iqra. And he said, I don't know. I'm unlettered. I don't know how to read. And then the angel picked him up and he squeezed him tight to the point where the Prophet said, said he thought he was going to die. And I'll get into that in a bit. And then he put him down. He said, Iqra. He said, read. And the Prophet said, I don't know how to read. Why? Like, man, I don't know how to read. I can't do this, man. And he picked him up again and he squeezed him again to the point where he felt like he was going to die. And he put him down. And he said, read. And he said, I don't know how to read. And then, and then he was picked up again a third time. And he was squeezed again to the point where he thought he was going to die. And then he put him down. He said, read. He said, Iqra. And the Prophet said, Iqra, bismi rabbikal khalaq. I think that's how it goes, but I may be wrong. It says, read or recite in the name of your Lord. The one who created man, so on and so forth. This entire beautiful passage of the Quran. Unfortunately, I don't have it memorized. And that's the first time the Prophet received revelation. And then... He obviously, like anyone, any decent, normal human being is going to be like, what the heck just happened? I have this memorized in my heart and I was just squeezed to the point where I felt like I was going to die. So he's shaking, he's trembling, he's scared, he's cold. You know, when you go through something that's shocking, that's traumatic, you tend to shake and get cold, right? That's what the Prophet said, that's what happened to him. So he ran home to his wife, Khadija, radiallahu anha, and he said, Zemiluni, Zemiluni, cover me, cover me. So she covered him and he said what happened. And she reassured him that, listen, you are a great man. You take care of the orphans. You give in charity. You care for the people. You're trustworthy and truthful. You've never done even a little bit of wrong. Allah would not do you wrong. Allah would not forsake you in this way. And then she ended up taking him, I believe, to her uncle or her cousin, who was actually very knowledgeable when it comes to religion. And then they, they told him, they narrated him what happened. And he basically informed him that he's a prophet of Allah. This, this was the angel Gabriel, the angel of revelation. And he has come to you and you are a prophet from God. And he told him, I wish or I hope to be alive. Because he was a very old man. He said, I hope to be alive when the people drive you out. And he said, what? My, my people, the people who see me as trustworthy and truthful and honest, they're going to drive me out? And he said, yes, every single prophet. There was not a prophet that was sent. There was not a messenger that was sent, except he was boycotted and kicked out by his people. And now the Prophet he begins his journey of giving da'wah and stuff. But it wasn't that simple. It wasn't that easy. That's often how we hear it. But the Prophet ﷺ actually went through a, I'll call it an intercession stage is what I'll call it. And not that somebody's interceding, but he's kind of going from one place to another. And in this moment, he goes through, you know, a mix of emotions. And he was in including in these emotions, including these emotions were actually depression and worry and anxiety to the point where he actually didn't want to live anymore. This is something that 
I myself have been through. This is something that unfortunately mm. many people have been through. And it's just the point of, I don't want to live anymore. And Prophet he actually climbed to the top of mountains with the intention or at least the thought of jumping off, of killing himself because of what he saw and he wasn't sure. But every time he got to the top, he would see the angel again and he would go back down. And then the, the when he saw, one time he saw the angel Jibreel, Gabriel السلام, into the sky. And it's a beautiful narration. I won't go too deep into it, but he saw him in the sky. And again, he was trembling. And he went back to Khadijah for the second time. And he said, Zammiluni, Zammiluni, cover me, cover me. And then he received the second revelation, which says, Oh, you who was covered, get up and go warn, remind the people. Don't sit down and be scared. Get up and remind the people. And Prophet, after that, he got up and he started preaching. Very beautiful story. He then went to, you know how we have like fire alarm systems or like um, amber alerts and all that nowadays? Mm -hmm. Imagine back then, like imagine, I don't know what it was, but let's say they had like a signaling system, like a giant bonfire. When you see a giant pit of smoke go up in a certain area, it's an emergency, right? So I don't know what it was. It's not a bonfire. Maybe it is. I'm not sure. But they had this signaling system, whatever it was. And he basically called all the people to come gather. And he said, people, if I were to tell you there was an army behind this mountain coming to attack us, would you believe me? And they said, yes, of course. You've never lied to us. And then he said, okay, okay, good. That was just preparing them. He said, now that you know and you admit that you trust me in anything I say, he said, I am a messenger from Allah. And he started preaching to the people. He started preaching to the people. But what happened? What happened is what, what happened is always what happens every single time. The elite, the highest of the society, they go and they say, don't listen to this guy. He's crazy. He's a lunatic. He doesn't know what he's saying. He's a liar. He's a soothsayer. He's a magician. He's all types of things except for what, a, what he really is. Keep worshiping your idols. Go back to what you're doing. No one believe in him. And from these people were his uncle. Abu Lahab, his own family, his own tribesmen. And this is when he came out publicly. At this point, he had preached to a few people in private, like Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, like Ali radiallahu anhu, and they accepted Islam. But when he preached to the people publicly, it was a different, it was, it was a different um, game now, right? You're no longer herding sheep. You're dealing with people who have power, even power over him. And to Allah is, you know, uh, who is exalted is all strength and might. But on this earth, Allah gave power to these people and they're coming and saying, don't, don't listen to him. He's crazy. And a few people accepted Islam. Most people didn't. The Muslims were very persecuted at the time. And it was a very, very, very difficult time for them, especially in the first three to six years of Islam, I'd say, especially before Umar and Hamza radiallahu anhu converted. Because Umar, if you guys know, radiallahu anhu, is a giant he was huge people would say that like he would be moving in a crowd of people and people would think he's on a camel because of how tall he was but he was just standing that's how big he was and then you have Hamza who is literally an, a hunter who would go on expeditions and all of this stuff the uncle of the prophet Hamza and at this time neither of them were Muslim so there's one story and this will just kind of help you understand how persecuted the Prophet was even by his own tribesmen, his own people. So Abu Jahl, 
Angel likes to call everybody a jahil nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite word now. This man calls me last night and he's like, yo, what does jahil mean? And I tell him what it means and how it originated from the term jahiliya. Yeah. And this wasn't even 24 hours ago, bro. And since then, I've heard him say it like 10, 15 times. <laughs> Subhanallah. He's going to love this. This guy was named by, by the Muslims. He was named Abu Jahil. The father of ignorance. That's why he was called. Because he was an ignorant individual. He was a dumb individual. So, Abu Jahl, you know those, you know those freaking, those soy boys who, you know, they don't know how to engage with their feminine side or anything. They don't know how to deal with the issues of life. And they're just so emasculated that when anything goes wrong, they just want to be vulgar. Apparently, this man was having a bad day. And he took out on the Prophet ﷺ. And he was cursing him in horrible ways. And he was doing horrible things to him. And then when Hamza, who was a hunter, came back from an expedition, he was talking to people, chatting with them, you know, chatting it up. Everything's good, like usual. And then some lady comes to him like, what the heck is wrong with you? You're going to sit here and chat it up and be happy when your nephew was just abused by that man? And he's like, wait, what are you talking about? And then once he was informed, that smile turned into an angry, angry frown. And he picked up his bow. He dropped all this stuff. He picked up his bow. He walked up to Abu Jahl and he looked him in the eye and he just, he just knocked him on the head with the bow and he starts gushing out blood. And he's like, what did you do to my nephew? What did you do? And he's like, all of this because he's a Muslim. And then he's like, I'm a Muslim. What are you going to do about it? And Hamza, he's ready. Literally, everyone gets up from the table and they're all ready to fight him. And he's ready to fight. He's ready to throw hands. And he's like, because the thing is, like nobody wants to fight Hamza. The first one to go Adam is getting done. He's done. And they all know that because Hamza, he's just a sick fighter. So they're all looking at him like, are we going to go? Are we going to go? And Abu Jahl was the one that stood up and said, okay, you know, we don't want to cause problems, whatever. Eye for an eye to even now. Let's forget about it. And then Hamza went home. He's like, I really just said I was a Muslim. And he's like, I don't want to go back and publicly, you know, take that back after the big show I just put on. So he's like, oh, Allah, ya Allah. If Islam is true, then make it easy in my heart. Open my heart up to it. And if it's not, then just let me die. Just let, just take my soul. Because like, I don't want to retract my words. And when he woke up, he found Islam in his heart. And he went to the Prophet ﷺ. And he said, Sometimes they would say, you, instead of Muhammad, they would say, you are the messenger of Allah. So now they have Hamza on board. Alhamdulillah. Things start to pick up for the Prophet. You know, he has, his, he has protection from one of his uncles. He has Khadija, anha, the business. Things are going well. He's preaching. Things are still difficult. Muslims are being abused, including Balal, anhu, a slave, and other slaves um, amongst them who are being completely abused by the non-Muslim masters. This term master and, and slave was abolished later, and they replaced it. <clears throat> but for now, it was still slave and master. And the first martyr of Islam, I believe, was a woman uh, anha, may Allah be pleased with her, who was very horrendously murdered, I'll say. I'm not going to go into detail, but horrendously murdered. She was a slave woman, I believe. Um, and so you could you could just imagine, you know, how painful it is for the Prophet ﷺ to be preaching this and Islam to be completely peaceful. They're, they're not, Allah did not instruct him to go to war or anything at this point. So he's preaching to the people. Hamza comes along, anhu, and then the Prophet ﷺ, he makes a dua. He says, oh Allah, give us one of the two Amars. Now Abu Jahl, his real name is Amar. 
Umar ibn Hisham. And the other Umar is Umar ibn Khattab, radiallahu anhu, is the one who I've been talking about now. He said, give us whichever you love more. Bring him to us. And Allah answered his dua. But not in the way that people would expect it because Allah moves very subtly. And Allah, as he says in the Quran, is the best of planners. So listen to this beautiful story. Umar, radiallahu anhu, he's sitting with you know, Abu Jahl and all these jahils, to put it in his <laughs> term, all these ignoramuses. <laughs> And they're just talking about, you know, Muhammad, this guy has been preaching for six years. And like, let's just like, I'm so done with him, man. We can't get rid of him. This, that, the other. He's like, you know what? Umar, he's like, you know what? I'm going to kill him. I'm just going to go. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to poke him and I'm going to leave. It's done. You guys have been crying about it for this long. I just want to end it. So he gets up. He picks up his sword. He's going to murder the Prophet. And that's his intention, right? And then one of the Muslims sees it and he's like, this doesn't look good. So he goes up to him, he's like, Omar, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to kill Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he's like, damn, what do I do now? And this Muslim's thinking, 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 and he's like, I have an idea. Because Omar's sister, is actually a Muslim now with her husband. They're both Muslim and they're actually in secret practicing Islam and learning about the Quran. So he's like, why don't you go to your own house and make sure none of them are Muslim and keep track of them before you go outside your home to, the, to Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he told him, you know, your sister's practicing. And he went to her house, knocked on the door. The person who was teaching them Quran hid. And then they opened the door. He busted in and he just, he knows what's going on. He starts beating on uh, his sister's husband and they start fighting. And then his sister tries to stop him. And in the heat of a fight, you don't really know what's going on. He accidentally ended up hitting the sister. She comes mm -hmm. like from behind to grab him or something instinctively he turns around and hits her she starts bleeding and in in that entire mess he's like what the hell am i doing man how how did it get to this point and he's like you know what give me what you were reading because i believe that it was written down he's like let me read it and she said okay listen go take a shower you're dirty go take a shower come back and then you could read it i'll let you touch this pure beautiful words of allah if you go shower and come back and he's like okay he goes he showers he comes back he reads it he gets up he walks to the Prophet. He walks to where the Muslims are gathered. And Hamza, عنه, when they're all informed that Umar is on the way, Hamza, the big man, عنه, he says, if he comes and he has you know, trouble in mind, we'll kill him with his own sword. We will kill him with his own sword. This is how strong this man was, even mentally. right? And we'll get to the bravery of the Prophet in a second. So Umar comes, and the Prophet sees Umar, this giant. He walks in. <laughs> All the Muslims are around. You know, what should happen is all the Muslims kind of form a line or a circle around the Prophet protecting him. The Prophet, وسلم, he runs up to Umar. He runs to his face. He grabs him by his shirt. He's like, what brought you here? Why are you here? And he's like, I've come to become a Muslim. And he said, And this is within the, like the same week, I believe, Hamza and Umar became Muslim. Radiallahu anhum. Beautiful stories. Wallah, I love that. Every time I listen to it, every time I tell it, I love it so much. Wallah. So now they have these two giants and they don't have to, before they were practicing in somebody's home. That's where they <laughs> prayed. That was a little measured in somebody's house. They couldn't, the Kaaba was right there, but they couldn't pray to it. They couldn't pray in the Kaaba, in the Haram. They couldn't pray around it because of the paganism and the people there. They tried once and <laughs> it did not go, it did not end well. They got brutally messed up, unfortunately. But now they have Hamza, they have Umar, and they're like, we're going to go pray. So we have two lines. One, Hamza's leading. The other, Umar is leading. They walk right in and they pray. 
and nobody could stop them. Not one person could stop them. Huge dub for the Muslims, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah it's been long so far, so I'm going to wrap up this bit. Eventually, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ dies. And now the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, he was giving the Prophet protection. And now the Prophet doesn't have protection. And in the same year, Khadija, the beloved wife of the Prophet, his first love of, I believe, 15, 15 years. or No, 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 no. Sorry, not 15. I take that back. I take that back. But 25 to 40, 15. So over 15 years, I'll say, to be safe. Over 15 years, she passes away. And it's called the year of sorrow for the Prophet because it was such a sad year for him that Allah, I believe, ended up revealing Surah Yusuf, which is a beautiful surah. And he ended up giving the Prophet the, the night journey where he actually ascended into Jannah and spoke to Allah. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Beautiful story, mashallah. And on top of that, later on, the Prophet and the Muslims, they got boycotted. They ended up leaving. The Prophet ﷺ, he went to Ta'if, he went to other places, he went to Medina, he started preaching, he sent people to Abyssinia over the years. And eventually, after some time, um, the Muslims, after being boycotted, there was a caravan, I believe, traveling with their belongings. Because when you get boycotted, you don't get to pack your suitcases and you know get on the get on a nice you know uh, WestJet plane and fly. <laughs> Not like that. It's like you're boycotted, you're running away. They didn't have their stuff. So a caravan was traveling with their stuff. They wanted to take their stuff back. And the Meccans, the pagans, the horrible people, they knew what was going to happen. And they basically jumped them. And they engaged in the first battle, which is called the Battle of Badr. The first battle that the Muslims engaged in. 313 Muslims versus, I think, a thousand uh, of these jahils. And... The Muslims won. Alhamdulillah, they actually ended up winning by the grace and the mercy of Allah because Allah sent his help. Allah sent his help and Abu Jahl died and all these Jahl people died. And the Muslims finally got to go back into Mecca. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he walked into Mecca, he went, he stood in front of the people. He's like, remember me? Remember me? Remember? I'm joking. He didn't take that approach. He went up and he, <laughs> <laughs> he, went up and he said, people, after everything you put us through, what do you think we're going to do to you today? After everything you've done, what do you think is going to happen to you now? After all the torture, the persecution, the boycotts, what do you think is going to happen? And they said, you're so merciful. You're going to let us be. And he said, continue with your lives. Continue what you're doing. Live. That was the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ. That was the love that he had. In another instance, when he went and preached to Ta'if, the people were horrible. Even the, like the, the slaves and the children and the women and the men, everybody was throwing impure things, rocks, all this stuff at him. And he started bleeding. He went and he sat by a tree. And the angel, Jibreel, I believe, السلام, came down and he said, listen, these people, not great people. If you want, the Prophet, السلام, he said, if you want, I will take this mountain. I will take this mountain and the cities in the middle and I will... I will crush them if you want. And he said, no, don't. Perhaps their children will become Muslim one day. And then decades later, their children all became Muslim. Ta'if, all, be all became Muslim. Alhamdulillah. I just thought that's a little cute story to add in, mashallah, about the Prophet and his, his mercy, his, his love and his, his planning even. <clears throat> so after some time, Prophet he's still revealing 
he's still being, you know, given revelation. He's still uh, being a prophet, his daily duties, all of this, uh, guiding the people. And the Muslims are getting bigger in number, bigger in number. They have this allegiance, this alliance, this peace treaty, that peace treaty. They're, you know, getting big, alhamdulillah. And then I'm going to fast forward. There were battles, there were wars, huge things. I'm skipping. It's very, like, they're very in-depth, mashallah. Um, I encourage everybody to look it up. It is very important. It is, it is, you know, a crucial part of our history, alhamdulillah. And a lot of it has, you know, is context for the Quran, like Surah 9 and stuff. Surah Tawbah, about repentance. Talks a lot about the battles and the wars and stuff. And then afterwards, the Prophet ﷺ, he gave his last khutbah. He gave his last lecture, his last speech to the people. And he recited to the people the verse that Allah had revealed before that, saying, Today I have perfected your deen and completed my favor upon you. How beautiful. How beautiful. Allah says, I perfected your religion and completed my favor to you. Not your right, not my obligation. I completed a favor to you. That just shows how beautiful Islam is in the sense that it is a favor, a gift from Allah, he, a blessing from Allah. It's beautiful, mashallah. And at this time, two Sahaba started crying, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, and I, unfortunately, I forgot the other, the other name, but, and he started crying, Abu Bakr, for two reasons. One, he knows once the revelation is done, and the religion is perfect. There is no more need for a prophet. And two, he knew that once a religion is perfect, the only stages after it are imperfection. It can't go up from perfection. It can only go down. And that's why he was mm. very beautiful. Wallah. They were very wise. And then later on, the Prophet ﷺ, he had a very bad fever. He got sick. And everybody, his wives, agreed that he would stay with Aisha radiallahu anha because he was, in a way, um, closest to her. Although he was fair with all his wives before anybody jumps in and says anything. <laughs> was, he was closest to her radiallahu anha. Um, and as he was, you know, he was passing in and out of consciousness, going through the trials and tribulations and the fangs of death. Um, and had some visitors and all of this and preparing for his final days and everything. And, well, a very beautiful story, but very sad. The Prophet ﷺ, in one of his last, you know, words, in his, his last uh, bit of life, he taught the men. He said, be good to your women. Be kind to them, right? Remember your rights to the people, so on and so forth. And the Prophet ﷺ, he would fade in and out of consciousness. And every time he would fall, like he would, he would get up to pray, he would pass out. He would wake up. And the first thing he would ask is, did the people pray? Did they pray? And then Aisha would say, no, they're waiting for you. And he said, go, tell them to pray. Tell them to pray. It's okay, go. And he gets up and he goes and he passes out again. And then it happens again. He's like, tell them to pray. He gets up, he goes and he passes out. Prophet the first thing he would wake up thinking about is, did they pray? Very beautiful. And the Prophet eventually, unfortunately, passed away in the lap of Aisha there are very like in-depth videos on it. So I, said, I suggest you guys look it up. It's very touching. Wallah. And it's very sad. And then after this, the Muslims were kind of in a frenzy. They were freaking out. You know, the messenger وسلم, died. Umar radiallahu anhu. He said, if anybody says he's dead, I'm going to cut off your tongue. If anybody comes to me one more time and says he's dead, I'm going to cut off your tongue. 
Ali radiallahu anhu, he was so shocked he couldn't even speak. He didn't talk to anybody. Everybody was either hidden or freaking out or they didn't know what was happening. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he goes to the people and he recites the verses in the Quran where Allah says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, is a man. He's a messenger. He's a man. Messengers before him have passed away or passed on or they're not here anymore. So if he were to die or be killed, would you then turn back on your heels? Would you then go back and regress? Very profound. Abu, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he recites these verses of the people and they said, it's as if we heard it for the first time. And then they elected Abu Bakr to be the first leader after the Prophet And he led. And then after him was Umar radiallahu anhu who spread Islam literally all over the globe, everywhere. And Islam became the power. It became the greatest power and one of the longest lasting in at least in more recent history of, of the entire world. And then after Umar radiallahu anhu, it was Uthman. Umar and Uthman were both martyred. They were both killed and taken as shuhada, taken as martyrs. And then uh, after that was Ali radiallahu anhu. And then it goes on and goes on. Very, very beautiful. That was very, very brief. But you just get a very brief glimpse of Islam. And in all of that, the 40 years of the Prophet, or sorry, the 23 years of the Prophet, وسلم, being a prophet, receiving revelation, very beautiful ahadith that I didn't talk about, very beautiful stories and narrations I didn't mention, very beautiful times when the Quran would come down in response to very specific situations. Wallah, it is so deep and it is so beautiful. Alhamdulillah. Guys, fellows, any of you guys watching this, may Allah make us even one millionth of the man that the Rasulullah, Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was. Anhal, yo, do you know what Amen. the Prophet said as his last words in his deathbed? Yeah. I don't know, bro. That's not what he said. <clears throat> what he said was, Salah, 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 and what your right hand possesses. Those were his last words. Salah means prayer. So he said Salah three times. And what your right hand possesses, those that look up to you, those that are under you, those mm. that you must lead. Mashallah. Subhanallah, bro. Bro, I think I think it's beautiful. Um, how Rami said that last bit where he was like that Allah basically said, um, today I complete my favor onto you. And bro, like to me that's beautiful because I've looked into multiple religions throughout the many years that I've been on this spiritual path, trying to find the truth. And bro, it's like, you find bits and pieces in so many places, but it's like, Islam has everything. It's, it's the complete puzzle. And then for you to say that, where it's like, Allah says like, today I complete my favor onto you. That's like, look, like the message has finally been transmitted. We no longer have to keep going. We no longer have to play this telephone game. And that's beautiful, man. Alhamdulillah, man. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Subhanallah. Yo, so I do have a question, though. Yeah. Do you, do you know any more about Hamza? Do I know any more about, about who? Hamza. 
Hamza Hamza, and I was also going to ask after you're done addressing his question, wasn't it Omar, um, radiallahu peace be upon him, that it took him six years to accept Islam? It was both of them, Hamza and Omar radiallahu anhu. They, mm. they converted like in the same few days, even six years, man. Yeah, it took it took the second who's deemed, you know, four of the rightly guided leaders. Somebody who is guaranteed paradise, guaranteed paradise. Mm. Somebody who was told, and this authentic is debated whether it's, you know, this sorry hadith is, this narration is debated whether it's authentic or not. But he was told if there was going to be a prophet after me, it would be Omar. There isn't, but if there was, it would be Omar. This man, and this man who was told that if shaitan sees you walking down a path, he goes the other way. He doesn't even waste his time on you. anhu. This man took six years, six years to accept Islam. And we have people today we have people today that won't even pick up the Quran because they, they don't think they're good enough. They won't even pray because they don't think they're good enough because they've been astray for a little bit or because they made one mistake. This man was jahil for this entire time and Islam came to him for six years and he didn't accept it. He persecuted Muslims as well. I don't know if you could say he persecuted Muslims, but he was amongst the people who did. And, if, and he was going to kill the Prophet ﷺ. He's literally about to, like that's the lowest of the low. Killing the messenger, that's the lowest of the low. And he became someone who was guaranteed paradise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now <clears throat> on Hamza, I don't know too, too much about him. Obviously, he was a great warrior. He was a great fighter. Uh, he was the uncle of the Prophet. Um, I could talk about the battle in which he died, inshallah. But he was also called the Lion of Allah. I believe he was called the Lion of Allah because of how fierce he was, especially in battle. So the battle of, I believe it's the battle of Uhud was one of the worst battles led by somebody who eventually became Muslim, but he was an amazing strategist when it comes to any military endeavors, any battles, any wars, any fights. He was brilliant. So he, he basically came up with this strategy, which the Prophet ﷺ, he actually, he counteracted his strategy before it even started. But the, the people, the archers that the Prophet ﷺ put on a hill, he told them, don't come down no matter what. If the Muslims are dying, don't come down. If we're collecting, collecting loot and gold and treasure and the booty of war, don't come down. They disobeyed him. Some of them tried to stay, but most of them disobeyed. And then the line of defense was broke. And the Khalid ibn Walid, who was the man who, who led the other um, uh, army around the mountain to basically trap the Muslims. And in this, Mus'ab ibn Umair, who passed away, who actually said the famous verses that Muhammad, he said it during this battle. He said, Muhammad is a man. Um, uh, he's a messenger. Messengers before him have passed away. If he were to die or be slain, are you going to go back in your heels and that stuff? And then Allah put that in the Quran. For those mm. of you who don't know, it's very beautiful. And in this mm. battle, Hamza radiallahu anhu passed away as well. Um, I don't remember the, the story fully, so I don't want to misconstrue it. Um, but I believe there is this one person on the other side who you who was really good at spear throwing and basically he kept trying to get um, uh sorry he kept trying to get hamza and hamza no, noticed it he knew it he kept trying to get him he kept trying to get him uh i think he he like he snuck up behind him or something or he finally got the time the right spot and he threw the spear and it hit hamza and for a while he was still standing i think he was actually walking towards the person and the person was scared like damn i'm gonna die now Right, I, sk- I stepped up to the big cat, like it's done now. But then, unfortunately, he passed away. Radiallahu anhu. He did not survive that. Mm. Uh, 
very unfortunate. That was very, very sad and hard for the Prophet. He lost, man, the Prophet for the kind man he was and for how much he cared about everybody, he lost so much. Man, he had most of his kids passed away. He went through so much grief. And the, the trial, the test of being a prophet is the hardest thing in the world. A messenger, that is the hardest mission in the world. And on top of that, and this is why it's one of the hardest missions, because he lost his followers. He lost his children. Pardon me. He lost Khadijah um, and the uncle in the same year. He was boycotted. He was kicked out. He was persecuted. He went through so much, so much as a prophet, as a messenger. And despite all that, he was still so empathetic. He was so, still so kind-hearted. He still taught Islamically one of the greatest principles, even in like the court of law, which is innocent until proven guilty. Where do you think this came from? The Muslims started it. As far as I know, the Muslims started it. And it came from Islam. The fact that if someone comes to, you know, about you saying he did this, that, they need evidence and you are innocent until they prove you did something wrong. And if not, then they get, they get lashed for slander or defamation, as you might call it. Very beautiful. And he brought all these amazing things. He pushed people um, and the Quran and Islam pushed people, inspired people um, to start in, in science, in mathematics, to invent uh, algebra, which comes from the term al-jabr, which basically means the one who like puts things together which is basically what algebra is. It's finding what's broken, fixing it, something like that. And I mean, I know what algebra is, but in terms of the definition of algebra and um, math, uh, sorry, um, algorithms and all of that, science, the scientific method and the enhancements of science, which some people say, if the Muslims didn't do that, we would be 300 years back in terms of our technological advancements. All these things, all these things. And the morality and the principles of Islam, which actually strike many of the you know, world's most recognizable people today, um, fell in love with the Quran or fell in love with Islam or the Prophet ﷺ. Even Gandhi wrote about him. Very beautiful words Gandhi wrote about him. Mm -hmm. If any of you are interested, you should look it up. Um, wallah, so many things. There's so many things to talk about, man. I need, need a sense of direction with this because, wallah. Good thing we have a whole podcast, time. bro. Alhamdulillah. That is true. That is true. So, I guess it's a good time to talk about. I'm talking about the process and being such a good person. I should give some examples. So, just to give one example of his empathy, we talked about Abu Jahl and how horrible of a person he was, right? The father of what ignorance. Jahil, bro. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> this man, one of the worst enemies of Islam, after he passed away, his son was going to visit the Muslims, right? Imagine your enemy's son is coming to see you, right? Like imagine Hitler's son was going to come visit us. We're going to be like, what the hell? What's up with this guy? We're not going to be super nice to him. But do you know what the Prophet ﷺ said? He told his companions, when he comes here, when his son gets here, nobody call his father Abu Jahl. Call him Omar ibn Hisham. Call him by his name. Because if he comes and he sees we're calling him Abu Jahl and he's just died, that's going to hurt. That's going to hit him, man. Don't do that. He Bro, said, just he take in his emotional intelligence. We'll get to that, for inshallah. Real, we will get to real. that, inshallah. That is a big topic. And the Prophet was the most emotionally intelligent person. SubhanAllah. So 
He says, even if his son were to become Muslim and know what his father did was wrong, it would still hurt him. And the Prophet ﷺ, he took off his shirt and he put it on Abu Jahl and he, they buried him in that as a sign of you know, respect at least to the son, for the son. Think about how kind the Prophet ﷺ was, especially in that instance. This is the man who tortured him and persecuted him and his followers just for believing in La ilaha illallah, just for believing there's one God worthy of worship. Persecuted, murdered, boycotted. And that much love from the Prophet ﷺ it's insane. It's insane. How many people today would do something like that? And to yeah, that that's, level. That's selfless. That's selfless. That's selfless, dude. SubhanAllah. Sallallahu alayhi wa Amazing character, man. Amazing character. I also heard this one story that there was, he had a Jewish, an elderly Jewish neighbor who used to always like throw trash and garbage and rubbish at him every time he left his house. And one day the Prophet ﷺ, he noticed that they didn't. One day they just didn't throw anything at him. And they weren't there ready to throw things. I mean, most of us would be like, thank God, right? Like, what's up, this guy throwing, or this guy, I, it's disputed whether it's a lady or a man. I've always heard it's an old elderly lady. For the sake of it, we'll go with that. It's always like, what's wrong with this lady, man? This old hag, why is she throwing things at me? That's what we would say. But the Prophet, Prophet said, him, the one day, the one day he saw that she's not throwing trash at him and she's nowhere to be found to throw trash at him, he made to go see if she's okay. He made to go make sure that she's okay. And when he went inside, she was passing away. She was on her deathbed. And she, was, she, wasn't, she didn't have anybody by her side. So the Prophet was the only person that stayed with her while she passed away. Damn. Think about how beautiful that is, man. How many people today would be happy and say, good riddance, she's dead. The Prophet he sat by her side while she was passing away. Man. This is our role model. If you can't take this as a role model, there is something wrong with you. I'm sorry, you do have issues. Perhaps you do need a psychiatric evaluation. <laughs> no, but men and women alike, everyone can benefit from looking at the Prophet as a role model. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I mean, credit where credit is due, he was the best man. That's why he's called a mercy to all of mankind, to, to all of creation. Because he wouldn't even be an animal. He wouldn't even be an animal. This is the character that he had. This is the love and the empathy and, and, and the care that he had. At the same time, he was firm. He was unmoved. And he was very strict on the deen where it matters. His morals. right? Like a real man should. Like a good man should. He wasn't a nice guy that said, okay, I'll let this go. I'll let that go. If something is firm, it is firm. Islamically, that's it. Like when the pagan said, okay, we'll accept Islam. Just let us keep our idols. We won't worship them, but let us keep them. He said, nope, nope. And they said, okay, at least let us keep it for like a week or something. He said, nope. They said, okay, at least a day. He's like, nope. He's like, okay, at least don't make us the ones who destroy them. He said, okay, I'll send people to, to get rid of them. <laughs> and then he sent people to destroy the, the idols. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he was the perfect balance. And this is what I, I think I was talking about in the last episode mm. we recorded. Where some people hear these nice stories about the Prophet and they think that's all it is. That's not all it is. Or they hear one story about war and they think that's all it is. That's not all it is. There are both sides to it. He had the balance. He was the most emotionally intelligent man, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Wallah, like it's, it's, if there's anything, if there is anything anybody should study, or if there's any person 
that you should study, it is the Prophet wasallam. Let's just say we had the perfect man who did everything. I won't say perfect in the sense that like no mistakes were made because no human is perfect. That is an inherent trait of any human being that they are not perfect. But to the highest degree, to the highest level, to the highest standard possible set by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this man to be the example for all of mankind. If we had that, would you not want to study it? If he was alive today, would you not want to follow him everywhere he went? There are even some Sahaba that tried to peek and see how he used the bathroom. And you may be laughing at it now, but let's be honest. If he was the perfect man, you would want to be there for everything. And obviously not everything, everything, but you would want to see how he does everything because he lived the best life, because he was the best of creation. And if you can't take that as a role model or an inspiration to be better at least, and ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, this is what inspired me as a young man, 16, 17 year old. This is what inspired me. This was my role model, the best of men. And now none of us is, are ever going to be anywhere close to him, ever. But he's the best. And this is someone we should at least look up to. It's not an excuse knowing you're never going to be there. You can't, you only fail if you give up. So just try, learn about the Prophet. And every time you learn something new, implement it into your life. And that is how you grow. Dude, I would go as far as to say that, like, when people are saying stuff about the Prophet, peace be upon them, they're just envious. The envious because, dude, like, that that was, like, everything you just described is the description of a perfect human being. And it's like, bro, if, if someone is perfect, you envy them. And envy is a form of love. It's just hate and love at the same time. Facts. Damn. <laughs> so it's like, bro, of course they're going to say something because, like, a part of them wants to be like that. But it's like a part of them doesn't want to accept that, ah, this person was, like, a perfect human being. So yeah. let me actually put him down. Let me bring him down to, like, uh, my level or not even my level, some level that they perceive as being lower than mm -hmm. what they are at. Yeah, subhanAllah. The more perfect that there is someone at hand that is a fascinating study, the more apparent our innate flaws become. And to compensate, we just start lashing them, bashing them, not really yeah. glorifying them as much as they should be. Yeah. And that's exactly why when France and China and a lot of people oppress Muslims and they speak against the prophet, bro, what do you expect? Like, we're just going to like allow it? Of course Yeah, not. we're not going to, we're not going to, I don't condone any of the acts that have happened. Yeah. It was some serious heinous acts, but at the same time, like, there's no basis to why they're attacking the prophet and defaming him and yeah. drawing cartoons of him. Yeah. But as we always say, man, the truth has enemies at the end of the day, the truth has enemies. And you know, what's amazing, you know, the most poetic part about it is that they hate him so much, but they cannot stop talking about him. They can't stop talking about him. If you hate him so much, just ignore him, walk away. I told you bro, envy. Yeah. Hate and love at the same time. The obsession. Was it you uh, that told me about uh, ex-Muslims? That was Drake. It was Drake that said that. Wait, what? First of all, I was talking to Rami. You're Jahil, not even you. And second... Do not, do not call me a Jahil. Jahil. What I was telling, what I was telling uh, Rami was, was it you that was telling me about the ex-Muslims? And how ex-Muslims are the ones that talk about Islam the most. 
yeah. <laughs> even though like, that it's something they're trying to leave but they've yeah, been talking yeah. about it more than people that actually spread dawah yeah wallah it's actually amazing because if you look at like 9-11 and afterwards the conversion rate of muslims spiked yo the amount of reverts after 9-11 was insane yeah subhanallah it's wallah it's like it's just man actually i'm gonna tell the story because i think it's funny I had this old uh, manager when I worked at Superstore and I left before he left, but I came back one day to, you know, to go and to talk to some people that still work there. And the, the current manager told me a story that, you know, when this is right before COVID started, right. Uh, he was gonna, I think he was going to quit and then they ended up firing him or they were going to fire him and ended up quitting something like that. Just, they weren't on good terms. He got so mad. He went and he ordered a bunch of milk that he knew they couldn't handle. They would overstock. It would go expired. They'd have a big problem. He did that on purpose to bother them, to throw them off. But then COVID hit and then everybody ran to the stores trying to stock up on everything. And they actually didn't end up having enough milk. <laughs> After he ordered way too much, they didn't have enough milk to give out and to sell to people. So it just kind of threw it back in his face. And that's basically the life of an ex-Muslim who's trying to hate on Islam. You come and you talk all this you know, nonsense and then people look into Islam and they're like, oh. That's not what you're, what you're saying. What it says here in the Quran actually doesn't match up. As a normal human being would read it and see that. It's not, it's not adding up. So they would be like, you're the liar. And they'd be like, whoa, this is actually true. And then they accept the Islam. Bro. Beautiful. Bro. I was talking to Fayyad about this last night. But I feel strongly that people who, who are ex-Muslim and who am I, right? Who am I to say this? Because I'm a revert and I'm still new to this. But I feel very strongly that people who are ex-Muslim, they are so because they listen to the whispers. And you know, you already know who was, who was saying those whispers, bro. I don't have to say it. Everyone who's watching, they already knows. You guys want to say it? Go ahead, say it, bro. But they listen to those whispers and that led them off the straight path, bro. And I'm, I was telling fire, bro. We, we live in the dunya, right? We live in the dunya. And bro, people will even go as far as to say that the dunya is like a matrix. You ever seen the movie, The Matrix? Where it's like what he was experiencing wasn't exactly it. Mm -hmm. There was something else. Now I'm not saying that, okay, that's what's actually going on. But what I am saying is that the dunya is very, very similar to what that is. It's like a matrix. It's like a stimulation. It's, it's something that's happening right now. And if you notice in the movie, The Matrix, there were glitches in The Matrix that like he started seeing like, oh, like this isn't it or something like that. Bro, I remember I woke up. It was um, it was a normal day, bro, but I felt amazing. You know, when you feel good and you, you tell yourself like, damn, like today's going to be a good day. Like it ends up being a pretty damn good day. For the most part, right? But as I said that, bro, a negative thought started coming in. And if I would have entertained that, that would have brought my day all the way down here. Didn't entertain it, kept going. Bro, then my mom came at me. She started telling me something that was like happening to her. Like just drama, bro. And I was like, bro, I was just sitting back, just kind of like paying attention, just like listening to everything. And then, bro, my mom came at me again and she started saying something. And then I looked on YouTube and I started seeing all the hate messages from people about me going into Islam. 
And then I went on Twitter and then I had this guy uh, who's an ex-Muslim and he was saying something. And I was like, hmm, let me actually respond because I feel like I do have something to say here on this specific topic that him and I are talking about. And I'm not even putting him down. But like what he was saying was getting pretty negative and like everything that was happening around me, everything that I was like reading, everything that um, this guy was saying as well was starting to bring me down from like what I was feeling. I, I went from feeling really good to now it's like, man, I don't, I don't really feel too good. I actually feel like kind of troubled, like kind of in dis-ease, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. And bro, bro, I kid you not bro as i'm typing a response to this guy i'm putting in this word and my phone literally auto corrects the word to devil bro and as soon as it corrected that bro i just put my phone like i just pulled my phone away and i looked around i was like oh bro and i had bro goosebumps just going through my body bro that was a glitch in the dunya bro in the matrix I don't know, bro. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, bro. The Prophet وسلم, he said that I will guarantee Jannah, I will guarantee paradise for the one who gives up arguing, even if he is correct, even if he's right. Because Shaytan, he loves, he loves for, you know, this drama and these problems and these mm. issues because they break people down, they ruin people. And when you're in a fight, what happens? You start yelling, you, you scream, you get vulgar, you start insulting, you start, and now you're being sinful as well. So, of course, Shaitan's going to love that. You did, you did the, the right thing. May Allah bless you. Alhamdulillah. And that, that's who it is at the end of the day, Shaitan. Now, on the, the point of ex-Muslims, a lot of them leave because, okay, I'm going to say this once and only once because it should be clear enough. Ex-Muslims are only ex-Muslims because of emotional reasons. They are never ex-Muslims. And I'm not saying this with any disrespect to them. With all due respect, they're only ex-Muslims because of emotional reasons, because of emotional arguments. You will never have an, an anybody, forget ex-Muslims, you'll never have anybody come with one logical reason or one rational really reason why somebody should not believe in the religion of Islam as a whole. You will not find one logical or rational reason. It's always, why, why is this the moral standing? Why is this allowed and this isn't? I don't like that. Oh, okay. And? I don't like that mm -hmm. you don't like that. Does like that does it make a difference at the end of the day? No. Because the truth hurts, man. Reality doesn't always fit our 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 likes and our wants and our whims. It doesn't always fit our desires, but it's true nonetheless. Man, I went through a very bad time. Very bad time. Am I gonna look at it and say it didn't happen? It wasn't real because I don't like it. It's not the truth. No, it's the truth, man, and it hurts. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't believe in it. If it's true logically, rationally. There's no reason to not believe in it. It supersedes anything else. Then why shouldn't you believe in it? It's the most logical, rational decision you can make. But every single time, it's emotional, emotional arguments. And wallah, what's so funny, I'm going to re reiterate this point because it's so poetic. You have people who hate Islam so much, yet their income, their lifestyle, their, their status online, everything they have is because of hating on Islam. We have people with Patreons that get thousands of dollars a month to lie about Islam, to be soy boys on the internet and lie about <laughs> Islam, to be jahils on, online about Islam. Yes. Exactly. 
just to lie about Islam and they hate Islam so much, but their life is basically dedicated to it. Well, that's poetic, man. <laughs> but it's like that verse says, man. It's like sometimes you might like something. It's not good for you. And then sometimes you might not like something, but it is good for you. Yeah. And guys, that's that's the red pill. When you take the red pill, you're waking up and it does suck, man. Like, I'll be honest with you. Do I like hypergamy? No. <laughs> that doesn't mean I don't, I don't see it for what it is. That doesn't mean that I write it off as being uh, some made up thing that it's not real. Because, bro, like I experienced it firsthand. I saw my friends. I saw my family members getting done dirty by hypergamy, bro. My uncle came from Texas and I'm going to leave out names because if I say names, it might cause some issues. Right. But he came from Texas. He actually brought this woman that he was uh, in love with. She had a son. He fell in love with her, bro. He brought her through the border, through the border of Texas, of like Mexico to Texas, where it's like they have Bro, helicopters, people with guns, like the army and everything, where it's like they're trying to catch people that are trying to go, the immigrants that are trying to cross the border, bro. He went through all of that where he risked his life. He risked his freedom for this woman, bro. And then the moment he got into America with her, bro, guess what she did? Yep. Yep, left him. Left him, bro. So, again, do I like... Hypergamy? No, I don't like it. I don't agree with it, but it is what it is. Yeah. Man, man, I feel for him, man. Wallah, I feel for him. This is why we need the day of judgment. Because this life is not fair. Let's say one man kills a hundred people. You can only kill him once. You can't kill him a hundred times. But Allah can if he wants. So like Man, you're not going to have justice in this world. So if you believe that things should be just and fair, that's what the Day of Judgment is. That's what Allah promises. Every wrong will be made right. No stone will be left unturned. Everything is known. Everything will be recompensed, whether it's in your favor or against you. Yo, so this is a side note, but I want to know what y'all feel about this. Because right, when Rami was saying his, uh, his part and he was saying the story, the prophet peace be upon him hamza and omar you know how like when we were kids we would either watch like a movie or a tv show or we would listen to a story and like we would listen to the characters and we would be like ah i could see myself as this character like i don't know about y'all but i have a feeling that like no one in this world can listen to the story of the prophet peace be upon him and say like ah i could be this character because he, he's, he's just such a perfect being, even in the stories. But it's like, bro, you said Hamza. And like, as you're describing him, I'm like, ah, I could see myself as this dude. Because I like fighting. I like MMA. I like, bro, strategy, bro, strategy. I love strategy, man. Like, I, I, I live for that stuff. But it's like, it's crazy because like you, you were saying everything about the prophet and it's like, to me, I couldn't even rationalize in my head like, ah, yeah, I could see myself as this guy. I could strive for that, but I just, I can't see myself like that because that's, that's perfection. 
Wallahi, bro. Man, I never thought about it like that, to be honest. SubhanAllah. That's true. Dang, man. <laughs> because the Prophet ﷺ, he was like, he was just balanced. He was perfectly balanced. Not everybody was, but he was, Sallallahu So, I, that, man, jeez. Yo, every you see what I'm saying, have, bro, right? Wallahi, it's like, it's the best podcast yet. And then we yeah. have another one. And I can yeah, say that yeah, again. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> But that's how it is, bro. That's how it is when Ryu recognized Ryu. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. This is, like, this is, I said I was going to prepare, but I didn't prepare anything. I was setting up my bed. I, like, I wasn't thinking. I got on, like, No way. Yeah, I was, like. Is that that sheet behind you, your bed? No, but it's behind. My my bed's behind the sheet. Mm. Many of y'all that that are wondering what he's going on about. 30 minutes before our call, maybe 45 minutes or an hour. He asked me what this topic was about today's podcast. 30 minutes before that, Angel hit us up and asked, do we even want to record tonight? We weren't even planning on recording any podcast tonight. And it just came to me. I was like, why don't we talk about the history of Islam? Five minutes later, he sends me an iMessage of a screenshot. Tell him what the screenshot was. (laughs) It was of my friend, Kevin. St. Kevin on IG. Shout out to him. He's a great guy. He's a Christian guy. And he's like, you know what, Rami? I'm curious about the history of Islam. Can you show me or tell me about the history of Islam? Maybe send me some videos. And I'm like, what the Got heck? you, bro. I got you. I'm like, man, Kevin, I'm recording a podcast about this right now. I'll send it to you when it's released. Qadrullah, alhamdulillah. Subhanallah, bro. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Yeah. I didn't know the topic till five minutes before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's meant to be this way, right? It's meant to be unscripted, alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, everything mm-hmm. was off the top. This, this I'm going to say this now because it's really important. When it comes to things like being like, let's let's just say the academics, right? You need scholarly sources. You need proper sources. You need proper um, just understanding, storytelling, whatever it is, right? You need the proper methods, the proper scholarly methods, the proper delivery and to make sure that information is all authentic. Alhamdulillah, I know everything I said was authentic. Alhamdulillah, I learned it um, with my the, the Young Dawa course that I've been taking. So I know it's authentic, Alhamdulillah. But everything I said was just off the top, based on what I memorized. And if you are amazed with that, imagine how much more there is, man. It's not limited to this. It's limited to what's out there. So I suggest everybody go look up the life of the Prophet, the Sahaba, the history of Islam, the first revelation, the last revelation, everything in between and everything afterwards, look it up because Wallah, it is so fascinating. And there is like, if, if I were to study one thing for the rest of my life, without a doubt, it would be Islam. Without a doubt, it would be the life of the Prophet and the Sahaba Islam as a whole for the rest of my life. I don't care if I'm a bum because that is the most just red pill, alpha kind of information any man, woman, child could take in life. And if you have that, you just to summarize it, if you run, if you, if you, if you chase the dunya, if you chase the world, it's going to run away from you. But if you chase the akhirah, if you chase the hereafter, the dunya will be at your feet. And with studying Islam, you're chasing the afterlife. And one thing I wanted to mention actually on hell, because you talked about it. I was at work and I was talking to my friend Muhammad and I was like, man, sometimes I just forget about Jannah. I forget it exists. I'm so focused on what I'm doing here right now. And I keep forgetting that, you know, we're just trying to get to Jannah. We're not even meant to be here. We have responsibilities. Yeah, we have tasks, but we're not meant to be here forever. I'm like, I forget about that. And that's when depression hits me. When I, when I forget 
that when I die, everything, my problems die with me, whatever. And then there's there's a hereafter. May Allah grant us Jannah. Allahumma ameen. But um, ameen. I feel like so many people forget about Jannah, especially in the altercations, in the fights, in the stress, in the anxiety, in the depression. They forget. They forget about Jannah. And everybody, anybody who's watching this, if Jannah exists, if you're a Muslim, you believe in Jannah, it exists. What are you doing to get there? What are you doing to get there? Let's say you Dude. just bought a house. Go on, go, go ahead, on. Go ahead, no, no, go ahead. You're right. on it. You're on it right now. Keep going. Let's say you just bought a house. It's down the street. It's one month go by, two months go by. An entire life time goes by. And you never even moved in there. Anybody, any normal person would ask, listen, your, your house is right here. You just bought this home. Why did you not do anything to, you know, to get there? Move your stuff, pack up, get ready, hire a company, something, do something to get there. What you expected, you're going to be picked up like, you know, Habibi, poor you, let's, <laughs> let's ship you to your house. No, man. So what are you doing to achieve the greatest, the greatest kind of reward from Allah? Jannah, a house in Jannah, a house in paradise for eternity, forever. What are you doing to achieve that? And if you have a problem believing in it, then DM me or go back to our first episode. Where we talk about proof that Allah exists and, and then proof that Islam is true and so on and so forth. And then ask yourself again, what are you doing to get to Jannah? And if you forget about it, then that's an issue because that is your one priority. Imagine the most important thing in life, the most important thing in life. And you're not thinking about it. You're thinking about the small minor problems you have when the main goal is right there in front of your eyes the whole time and you've been neglecting it, man. If that's mm -hmm. not pathetic, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. Dude, I was going to say, like, I had someone message me uh, a spoken word. I know what those things are. Yeah. Yeah, there's, um, I think it's, um, it's one of those really popular Islamic channels. The, the, the dude that made um the beast, the, the meaning of life, the Islamic yeah, spoken yeah, word or something like that, bro. Mastermind, mastermind. But he, he made this video and this guy sent it to me where it's like, it literally says exactly what you did or what you're saying. Where it's like, once that day comes, like, what have you done for this day? Like, let's say you spend your entire life, you didn't do your prayers. You said, no, 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 I'll do my prayers later on once like the timing is perfect. Or it's like, you didn't, you didn't do sakai, you didn't do charity. It's like, oh, well, I needed to pay bills and stuff like that. It's like, bro, it, it's just excuses. You just kept putting things off. But then it's like you promised death. If there's one thing in this life that you were promised, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, is death. Man, I'm going to tie this back to that story you told because, well, it's amazing. So remember the story you mentioned about your uncle who went and to, mm -hmm. into Mexico, fell in love, and brought the, the woman over to, <laughs> right? Man, think about the border as being death. Think about America being the afterlife. Think about Mexico being this current life. And think about the woman as being the worldly desires. You build up so much. You work so hard for the worldly desires. And you expect that what is going to come to the grave with you. As soon as you pass through the border of life and you die, the woman, everything, your wealth, everything, it leaves you. It runs away from you. And what are you left with once you're on the other side? Nothing except regret and disappointment. 
you don't want to be like that. We don't want to be like that. That's why we're here, man. And that's why you're here with us. So go pray, man. Go give two and a half percent of what you earn in charity. Two and a half. If you were poor, you would want at least that. You would want half of that. You, you would want anything you can get. Go take care of the orphans, man. Go try and be like the best. Be like the Prophet Man, excel in this mm. life. Excel. Bro, so you know how you're talking about like just all the stories of the prophet, peace be upon him. I don't know how to say that other part yet. I gotta practice. <laughs> but um I think it's amazing that what you said was just like this much and that there's so much out there that you can research and you can find yourself, bro. Cause I remember when I was actually looking into Christianity when I was with my ex. Bro, like, I remember being in her living room and, like, I had heard something the uh, previous day at church when we went. And they were talking about, um, I forgot the name of it, but there's this brief period in time where, like, Jesus is just, like, absent. He, like, he goes off and he does something. And then he comes back. And when he comes back, that's supposedly when he's, like, he's now the uh, son of God. He's now awakened and he's like doing the miracles and stuff like that. And it's like, I want to know what happened during that time. So, bro, I was in that living room just like looking as through the TV because they had like the internet on the TV. So I was looking, just trying to find answers, trying to find anything, any documentation, any legitimate sources of what happened during that time frame. And if I could figure out what the name is after the fact, after this podcast, I'll definitely link it. Man, I was trying to find that. I remember her mom came down and she asked me what I was doing. I told her. And she's like, oh, that's that's stupid. Why would you even need to know that? I'm like, what? How is that stupid? Like, that gives you insight into the uh, quote-unquote son of God, his life, and, like, what he was doing and, like, how he came to be what he is. So it's like, how is that not important? And then, bro, here you have in Islam, you have the documentation of the prophet's life, peace be upon him, bro. So it lets you see what he went through, his trials, his tribulations, how he grew, how he he was actually tested and how he grew. And it's like that, bro, that's priceless. That's what I was looking for in Christianity. And here it is in Islam, bro. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah, man. Fayad, man, what are your thoughts? <laughs> man alhamdulillah it's 11 30 alhamdulillah bro mm, let's cut mm, it off you know what that means yeah. yeah that was a great podcast y'all alhamdulillah mm -hmm. oh, man it was real alhamdulillah <sighs> close it out boy <laughs> get away bro all right hold on. let me say one last thing let me say one last thing if you made it this far Comment down below that fire is a jahid. So we know it's real. Yes, sir. All right. <laughs> and with that being said, Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adab al-nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.